global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Father, we know that you are worth it. We know that you are the only one that has our best interest at heart. When we look at these forms of entertainment and media and advertising out there, there are a lot, uh, music industry, gaming, and all of these things trying to capture our minds and our attention and our time and our devotion. And Lord, we know that all these things belong rightly to you. We give you our time, our attention, our identity, our interests, our worship. Lord, we want to devote fully to you in these last days. We don't know how much time we have left, but we do know that you are right here, not far from each one of us, just as beautiful as we ever heard, just as close as we ever heard. But Lord, we pray that you would get that smog out of there and that haze that blocks our view of you. The sin that so easily entangles Throw it off of us, we pray. May we not be enemies of the cross of Christ because our minds are on earthly things. But may we consider these things rubbish that we might gain Christ and be found in Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Part six of the Media on the Brain seminar, The Pleasure Trap. If it's not Facebook, texting, spectator sports, all the other media we've been talking about in the other sessions, Test your activities. I don't know what it might be, but if you're not sensing the presence of the Lord in your life in a deep and intimate way, ask yourself, when I do this activity, when I do this particular recreation, form of diversion, whatever, do I rarely, if ever, think of God? Because if that's the case, I need to, I need to rethink what it is I'm spending my time on. Is it, is it diverting me? Do I become forgetful of the mission when I'm engaged in this activity? Or is it true recreation? Would prayer seem out of place in this activity? This is one of those moral questions, or can I imagine Jesus participating? Are Satan's principles of pride, self-promotion, violence, or immorality present in this form of recreation, whatever it may be, this form of diversion, this thing that I need to evaluate in my life? One study found, actually, that even though we think these media are going to give us stimulation, excitement, pleasure, entertainment, in reality... Moderate and heavy media users report lower levels of happiness than their counterparts. So it's the opposite of everything we thought. You know, we, we, as Americans, we are amusing ourselves to death. Our culture is on a constant pleasure-seeking binge. It's a deception we're under. Unplug from it all. Reconnect with the Lord. I think that's an awesome idea. I think everybody should do that. But I want to give you a warning. It's good to fast from food, right? And so, yes, fast from media, but also say to yourself, hey, you know what? There have been some things that showed up in that seminar that really woke me up. And some of those things I need to throw away permanently. I need to destroy them, get them out of my house, and so on. But then with those things that you're not sure about, you know, how much Facebook time, how you know the texting thing, I'm not sure about, you know, my my relationship with the internet and email and, and how to use media. 
I think fasting from that is a great idea, like these guys have said. Famous Milner study of 1954 identified what they call the pleasure trap. They had a mouse or a rat, and he was able to press a lever, and the lever would stimulate into his brain, into the nucleus accumbens of his brain, pleasure centers, a feeling of pleasure. Tap the lever, feel good. Tap the lever, feel good. It was an easy fix. Being able to just turn on the TV and enjoy a simple, ridiculous thing on TV. Or turn on the video game or put that song on. The easy, quick fix pleasure. In my case, it was drink that Mountain Dew. No pain, no discipline required. Pleasure comes not the way God designed it. Not after doing something healthy and holy and beneficial for others. But just doing something simple, easy stimulation. What happened in this study? What happened to these mice? Well, the results were this. These mice stopped eating and were on the brink of death. I think this is a perfect analogy about where we stand as a culture today. We have found a way to stimulate, to get that pleasure, easy, quick fix, and we've stopped eating the bread of life. We've turned to the Twinkies and cookies of worldly entertainment. They're tasty, we like them, and the bread of life is getting stale and moldy on the shelf. But we have to pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. How can I again cultivate an interest in heavenly things? Because if I'm not interested in heavenly things right now here on this earth, what makes me think I'm going to want to be there? I won't be interested in it then. And God's not going to require anybody to be there who doesn't has no interest in the things of heaven. God, give me an interest in the things of heaven now. Maybe it's going to take a media fast to get unhooked, unaddicted to these things. In fact, I want to now turn to this, this topic I've said that we were going to get to many times. A lot of people are going at this point, okay, I've got a lot of information. How do I overcome this? How do I prevent media addiction in my family? So I have some tips for you. How to prevent media addiction. First thing, parents, raise your children from the time they're young on up with conversations, very real and spontaneous conversations where you talk to them about addictions. The big thing in decades past was make sure to talk to your kids about sex so they can understand the proper context for sex. I think, yeah, awesome, but also talk to them about addictions, not just chemical addictions. We talk to our kids, we give them the drug talk. Talk to them about food, gambling, shopping, pornography, gaming, process addictions. Give them stories about how these things ruin people's lives so they can understand Then, covenant to build a family God's way. Say, we're going to do our family how God asks us to. Study the Bible. What does the Bible have to say in this area of being a parent and raising your children in the Lord? It says in the Torah, it says, talk about the commands of God. And I can't wait to share more on the topic of raising children. And this is the seminar called Raising the Remnant. We need to ask ourselves, how are the successful parents, the ones who are producing spiritual champions in their 20s, who are living the life of Jesus in their own experience, how, are the, how did those parents do it? What's different about them than the rest of us? That's what we're exploring in Raising the Remnant. So take this on and say, as a family, we're going to build our family God's way. We're going to give our kids many fulfilling, real-life experiences together. That statement had a lot of important modifiers. Fulfilling real-life experiences together. 
as a family. We're doing real life. We're not entering into simulated reality in the form of media immersion. But we as a family do real things. We have real experiences, fulfilling things. And you might ask me, well, what? Give me an example. This is up to each individual family. What kind of pursuits do you want to go on? I have a family friend that takes their kids on on triathlons and hiking and all sorts of outdoorsy things. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe your family is going to go to the homeless shelter, go on a mission trip, do real things, build a house. I don't know. There's endless things that we human beings can do on this earth. Build good experiences for your family. Fourth, children's time with screens should be earned. They should not believe that they have a right, an entitlement to be in front of a screen 24-7. It's going to be a destructive and dangerous thing. And what kind of screen time, you might ask yourselves? Well, we looked at 83% of kids have a video gaming console in their house and how dangerously addictive those items can be. I, I, I have one young person right here who had uh, something to say very strongly about this. Jonathan, a college-age video game addict, wrote the following advice to parents regarding the video game console. Get rid of it completely, entirely. I wish my mom had done that. Even if you limit the actual playing time, you're not going to eliminate the kids thinking about it as long as it's in the house. Don't ask, are video games okay? But rather ask, is this the best use of time and money? Also, you might ask, what can I be do- what can we be doing together as a family. So screen time is earned, but be careful what kind of screen time. We're not talking about bringing alcohol into the home and giving it to the child. The, the video games, the alcohol of today, this terribly addictive pull. So what kind of screens? Be very discerning with that. How then do you free the current child addict? Well, I already got myself in a mess. I let my kids watch all this TV. They have all this worldly music. They, ah, what do I do? First thing Parents have to get on the same page. Otherwise, they'll pit one against the other. We all know how that goes. Secondly, parents, get educated and get your kids educated and inspired together as a family. A a young person has the ability to reason. They have the ability to evaluate evidence and information. And if you can present it to them in the most winsome manner possible, perhaps show them the Media on the Brain seminar. I hope that the tone of this hasn't been condemning and judgmental and irrational. It's been data, science, Bible, spirit of prophecy, all these good things. The young person can can evaluate that too. And if you get their buy-in, if you get educated and inspired as a family, hmm, I wonder if you'd win their hearts in that manner by going, meeting with them and saying, let's explore this area together. Then make a family plan for a 30-day media fast. Let the, If they're gamers and they have so-called friends in their video game world, let them say goodbye to them. Let them log on. So, you know, I'm going to be gone for 30 days. Family's doing a media fast. It's going to be very, very difficult. We'll talk about that more. But during the fast, sit down with your children. You're probably doing this before this, actually. You're admitting that you made a mistake. I've allowed things into your life, into our home, that have been destructive to you. I'm sorry. Humble yourself before your child like this. You'll, you'll earn some respect, but you're also being truthful because you do owe them an apology. Next, completely remove the demonic rat poison and the addictive alcohol. Don't sell it. As people say, well, let's sell all the video games and all the worldly music and the movies, but then you're just giving somebody else this trash. It's trash. Put it in the garbage can. And expect gaming addicts, by the way, to lash out. Expect them to really struggle with this. Remember, the brain thinks this is about survival. So you might hear them say things you never thought you'd hear them say. 
They might be slamming doors, throwing things, who knows what. They are an addict. Expect the behavior of an addict. Don't be surprised when you see it. And if you're fearful about you know, safety, people's safety, do see a counselor on this. Seek some psychological help on this, a professional. But be aware that that is coming. Sixth, how to free the current child addict. Establish the family media standards. What's in, what's out. How to find more good and healthy and Christian things to consume. How to earn acceptable screen time, which we just talked about. And then write those family standards down. Post it on the wall. This is our family. We're all together on this. This is the rule. This is the regime of our home in the area of media. So you can always point to that. This is what we just decided. This is how we're going with this. And will they agree with everything on there? Probably not. But try to get buy-in. Have a conversation. Sometimes they can be more reasonable than you think. Parents, this is maybe the most important one up there, must sacrifice. Kids need to see mom and dad struggling too. Sacrifice something, even if it's manufactured and and just, you know, made up. Sacrifice something for the cause. Because if mom and dad, the kids are the only ones having to give things up and mom and dad are just, ah, you know, life is normal, they're going to resent that. Everybody's got to sacrifice. Everybody's got to feel some pain to make this thing work. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, 48850. The frontal lobe of the brain is under attack. It's the spiritual epicenter of the human soul. Altruism, empathy, discernment, self-control, conscience, reasoning, pretty much every Christian virtue all happen in the frontal lobe. So is it any surprise then that 21st century entertainment turns off this important area of the brain? Brain circuits that you don't use become weakened. Just like an unused muscle, it turns to mush. It's saturating our lives. Hollywood, popular music, video gaming, spectator sports, multitasking, and distraction. So what does the latest science say about the mind-altering effects of 21st century media? And what is the spiritual agenda in the entertainment industry? Visit 11thHourDispatch.com, use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate for the DVD set called Media on the Brain. We all know of the tragedy of divorce, abuse, and broken homes. But did you know that even among solid Christian families, less than 10% of them ever open the Bible together as a family or pray together other than at mealtimes? And did you know that the average child spends more time watching TV by the age of six than he spends in conversation with his father during his entire lifetime? The family in America today is in a deathly spiritual crisis. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called How to Raise the Remnant. Now more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the soul? 
souls of men. Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Next, replace the harmful with the good. Rewarding things like a family hobby or a project, service, Bible study series, DVD series, field trips, travel, whatever. Uh, Have fun together. That's the main idea. Do things together as a family. Replace the harmful with something good. Something better is the watchword. Now, if you're the media addict, changing who I'm speaking to now, not parents, but or maybe you are a parent, but you're the one addicted. We're not talking about children anymore. First thing you do is you force yourself to have a reality check. This is going to be painful. But ask yourself this. First, make a list of your life goals. What are some things that you'd love to accomplish in this life? What are, what are things that God wants you to be doing? Then, calculate the number of hours that you have wasted on media during your entire life. Count up all the hours. Then translate that into eight-hour days. How many eight-hour days have you spent on media? And then ask how many eight-hour days of, how many weeks of eight-hour days? How many months of eight-hour days have I been spending in that video game, watching those sporting events, watching TV, whatever it is, gaming, pornography? And then list the things that you could have done with that time to accomplish the goal. So you might say, well, this is depressing. This is reality. And reality is sometimes very sad. I've wasted that many hours. I could have had my life purpose up until age 35 or 45 or 25. I could have done all these things. And instead, I was watching movies. What a waste. It's a very depressing moment. But then you move forward. You look forward. Second thing, you find a support group. Addiction recovery requires support through relationships of accountability. In fact, the 12-step programs, they say that the most important word in the entire steps is the first word, we. Now, I would say the most important word is God, but nonetheless, the point is we as a group, we must be together on this. You need accountability. You cannot recover addiction going it alone. Find people who can walk alongside you and hold you accountable. There's an example. If you're a gaming addict, Online Gamers Anonymous, alganon.org. One example of where you can look for support on this. After you've found a support group to really push you on this, and by the way, I was speaking at one church and a a lady uh, called up a a deaconess and said, you got to come over to my house because I know I need to throw away a lot of CDs, a lot of albums of mine, and, and I need some help with that. I need you to come over and make sure I do it. That's called accountability right there. And then that deaconess, should, she should say, please call me every couple of days for the next few days to make sure that I've not gone and purchased them again or dug them out of the trash. And keep me accountable. Bust me if I need it. Third thing, you absolutely need to have positive pursuits in place. After throwing away your alcohol, immediately get busy on your list. Your list of things that you'd like to accomplish in life for God. And you know, at first, those things won't feel that fulfilling because your reward circuitry is all messed up, but it will become more fulfilling as time goes on. I'll talk more about that momentarily. Find a spiritual purpose and identity. Again, what does God want me to do? Who am I in his kingdom in in this last day cause? Start a positive thing, like like a, a journal of things you're grateful for and real world realities. Like, I like the real world. It was a beautiful sunny day today, you know? I wouldn't have experienced that in the video game. I would have been in my dark room. But the sunshine, the birds were singing. You know, journaling about how wonderful life is as God designed it. It'll help you have that gratitude. Also, seek spiritual healing. You may have unresolved issues that drove you to this media addiction that is an escape for you. 
get those, those issues resolved with God. And if you need counseling on that, that can help as well. Four, plan out your use of time. This is huge. If you don't have a plan for every minute of the day, if every hour of the day doesn't have a name attached to it, this is the hour of exercise, this is the hour of such and such, you're going to just default to what the habit was. So you've got to have a plan, just like you do with a budget, just like you do with money. Every dollar has a name, as Dave Ramsey says. You budget and you tell every dollar where to go. Same thing with your time. Budget that time when you're overcoming an addiction. You will grieve, but... Your grief will be turned to joy. Your grief will be turned to joy. You remember those dopamine receptors? How you lose dopamine receptors and you just have less of a feeling of pleasure when you have normal life experiences? Your brain can sprout new receptors. Your brain heals. God will heal your mind. He will return you and restore you to the image of God and you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind right where we began the seminar. We can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. I want to close with a definition of sin by Susanna Wesley and then one final brain lesson for you today. Susanna Wesley was the mother of 19 children, among whom were John and Charles Wesley, the famous reformers, leaders of uh, of the Methodist movement. She defined sin as anything that weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes your relish takes off your relish for spiritual things. I thought that was a very helpful definition of sin. If there's something that is making my reason weaker, I'm not going to be able to reason through biblical principles and truths very well. That's going to be sin for me. If it impairs the sense of conscience, like that hand hitting the stove we talked about before, and I get calloused, that's sin for me. If it it obscures my sense of God like that smog in between me and the mountains, that is sin for me. If it takes my relish off spiritual things for me because I'm overstimulated, that's sin for me because I'm not going to love the Word of God. We often ask the question, oh, what's the harm with a certain form of media? You know, we shouldn't ask what's the harm. We shouldn't say, well, it's not as bad as he's saying. Because, you know, that's acknowledging that it is bad to some degree. We shouldn't ask what's the harm. It's not that bad. No, no, no. We have to ask what is the spiritual benefit of a certain activity that we, get, that we engage in. What is the benefit? Because if there's no benefit, then it is harmful. Because we could be doing something beneficial. That's called opportunity cost in economics. The Apostle Paul in Philippians, he was talking about those in the church that he was grieving over. He was weeping. He said, I consider... I consider things of this world rubbish that I might gain Christ, but there are others that make me cry. These people, these people in the church that have made themselves enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul says their destiny is destruction. They are literally destroying themselves. Why? Because their God is their stomach, their own appetite for pleasure. Their minds are on earthly things. And he says that our citizenship is in heaven. When we consider the things of this world to be rubbish, like in verse 8, I consider everything a loss that I might gain Christ. Everything that is not of God is rubbish to me. That's a very strong Greek word right there. Rubbish. It's just throw it in the trash that I might gain Christ. Then we'll know our citizenship is in heaven. And we won't be one of those who are enemies of the cross of Christ because our minds are unearthly things. I said I'd close with a brain lesson. We've learned a lot about the brain during these six sessions. An appropriate place to end. Right here you see a title of the book, Healing the Broken Brain by Eldon Chalmers. The brain is actually made up 
of a series of networks or pathways. A thought takes place by a synapse firing off and a thought going through a neural circuit and there you have a thought pattern, if you will, or a road, a a, a pathway of thought. What happens over time, let's let Eldon Eldon, uh, explain it to us, Eldon Chalmers. Brain scientists have discovered that any thought or action that is often repeated is actually building these little, what he calls, boutons on the ends of certain nerve fibers so that it becomes easier to repeat that same thought or action the next time. Every thought, feeling, or act repeated is producing physical and chemical changes in our nerve pathways. That's a lot of scientific explanation, basically just saying this. The more you have a thought, the more it will become a habit. The pathway actually widens. A little form, a little bouton, a little uh, enlargement, a little growth forms on the end of the, the sending cell, the transmitting neuron. The receiving cell then is more likely inclined to receive that neurological circuit. And the, the, the pathway becomes more firmly entrenched in your brain. This is why, by the way, just take motor skills as an example. The first time you brushed your teeth, it was kind of awkward, right? Or when you learned to tie your shoes. It's good that the brain is designed this way to form habits. Think about it kind of like a pathway. Have you ever gone through the jungle with a machete? I have never, but I've talked to people that have. They said it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And what you're doing when you're going through that is you're forming the initial stage of the path. This is like our lives. You know, you may have not just a skinny pathway through the jungle, but you have what seems like a wide highway of habitual thoughts unhealthy and unholy thoughts, whether it's in media or some other area of sin, and you go, man, I can't help but go down that road. Every time this happens or somebody says something like that or that person shows up in the room or this image shows up on the computer screen, I just can't help but. feels like I'm going down a wide highway. Well, God asks us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We get that machete out and we say, you know what, next time that happens, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me take that thought captive. I'm not going down that highway. Lord, give me the strength to put a roadblock on that road and I'm going to get out the machete. This requires work. We are saved by faith alone, but faith without works is dead. God wants us to grow through the process of struggling through this with his power, learning to rely entirely upon him. We get that machete out and we start charting a new pathway. Pretty soon, we, we went down a holy pathway. And you see, you've got a path here now. The old one's still there. You still have to fight that temptation by the power of the Lord. And you now have an all, a better option, though. And the more you use that better option, the wider it gets. This is brain science, not just a spiritual lesson. They're one and the same. The wider it gets, the more you use it. You go down it more, it becomes a little bit wider road that you can drive down. Now you've got a paved road, you're flying down it. And pretty soon, the holy pathway is the new highway. The old has gone, the new has come. When I am in Christ, I am a new creation. This is salvation. This is the healing of the mind that God wants to engage in each one of us. Whether it's media or addictive and harmful thought patterns in any area of life, God is our healer. Let's close with a Bible verse. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. This is our charge as we go from the Media on the Brain seminar. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When we turn our eyes from worthless things and fix our eyes upon Jesus, by beholding we will become changed. 
the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. We know how diet is affecting us physically. We know it's causing cancer, heart disease, diabetes. We're dying from this diet. But do we know yet how this diet of media is affecting us spiritually? I believe it's killing us spiritually, just as this food diet is killing us physically. And that's why the Media on the Brain seminar is such an important piece of the puzzle, in my view. Six sessions. The first one is called Conformed or Transformed, TV, the Brain, and the Science of Salvation. Session two, by beholding we become slaves to the high priests of a new religious order. Part three is the spirit of the music industry, how one man transformed American culture. You will see how just saturated with satanic principles the music industry and Hollywood and the advertising industry are today. Disc four of a second part on music. It's called musical manipulation. How Satan will use music to deceive the last day masses. What kind of effect does music have upon mind and character and physiology? Part five is called the counterfeit reality. This is a very important one for many people in America who are absolutely captured and addicted by the two most potent and fierce addictions in media. And that's gaming and pornography. Round out with part six, the pleasure trap. That's one of my favorite ones to present. Look at some very important spiritual principles on how to escape media addiction. Visit beltoftruthministries.org to obtain the Media on the Brain video series. 